This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho, it's the Men in Blazers podcast. Roger, it's our back-to-school special, special, special. Oh, we are back, Dave. Yeah. The only thing in football. That's worse than an international break. Well, us. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Rog, uh, you look well-rested, oh. but you've been having some weird dreams. Weird graphic dreams. Yeah, tell me. Lately, with Dr. Davis. I love to interpret people's dreams. Oh, you're like, I don't like interpreting my own. You're like Joseph Yeah. in the Bible. I, I've had, I don't know if you've ever had this, just an incredible run. Every night I go to bed, every night it's like having a movie play in my head. Incredible uh-huh. detail, really good cinematography, well-written. Uh-huh. Not as well written as the Premier League, but... Are like, there title cards at the beginning? Is there theme music? Are there credits at the end? I'd say there's relief when I wake up at the end, and it was all a dream. I'm not sure what it is that's triggering them. Maybe it's like summer morphing into fall. I'm, I'm like feeling a bit sad already. Oh, I thought you'd be excited. More tweed, more rain. Oh, you know what? I am getting fitted for some new tweeds, <laughs> and that, I hope, will bring me out of this dream funk. What a shock. Here's a dream. Yeah. First one. I was a Civil War general with the Union Army. I think Rog with beard and, the, you know, the whole sword and all that crap. Stakes are high. Whole war depends on me choosing the right battlefield for the climactic clash. Oh. Every single infantryman, every single cavalryman is, like, looking at me for direction. They're all like, where do we take the highlands? Do we take the lowlands? Should we cut them off at the narrow pinch point? And the only thing is, I know inside my head, I'm just Rog. I'm just a football podcaster. I've got no idea how to choose a battlefield for the climactic, epic, history-defining battle. They may bleed into dream number two. Okay, go. You ready for this one? Yeah. The Saudi Secret Service was chasing me. <laughs> and I had to make my whole identity disappear with no trace at all. Uh-huh. ATM cards. Uh-huh. Everything. Computer tracking, all that crap. Like, Phone Rog, calls. stop tweeting. But I, yes, I want, you know what? I had this incredible urge. I just want to tweet about Rich Arlison. Oh, third, okay, dream number three. I was the starting goalkeeper for the Mexican national team. Okay, I like this, I like this one. I had like incredible curly hair. Yeah. And I had like a headband. Uh huh. I was like, Ochoa, Roger Ochoa. Yeah. And we were all in the locker room, me and the lads. We we're about to go on the field. There was just all kinds of like shouting and singing, and rhythmic kind of hype clapping, and everybody had to take their turn. They all knew what they were doing in this song, this clap, this performance before we went on the field to get hyped. And I was desperately trying to keep up with the pre-game traditions without being found out as an imposter. You know, these are all dreams about not being prepared, right? Or not being <sighs> able to do. Like, certainly the first two jobs, you're not able to be a Civil War general, yeah, really, fair. on either what? side. I'll take your criticism. Uh, I can y- take it on the chin. You're not really able to play in goal for Mexico. Interesting that both I could of those... play in goal internationally if I chose to, but not for Mexico because I don't have Mexican nationality. Is that what you're saying, Dave? Nope. <laughs> and uh, it's interesting, both uh, Dreams Number One and Dreams Number Three do involve hair. They involve a very large Civil War, I presume, Union beard. Yeah. Because all Union and Confederate generals had amazing facial hair. It was like Roger and Andrew Luckett had a baby. Yeah. And then the uh, you've you've got a major 
you know, you've got a big curly perm going on as the Mexican national team goalie. That's a sidebar. That's probably a little bit about your baldness. So you're reducing all just to bald self-loathing? No, that, I that, think these are do look, it. just more about what you're drinking and you're eating before you go. I'm going to drink more and I'm going to eat more because I've got to say, my dream life is far more exciting yeah. than my regular life. Well, sort of. Yet to, get, yet to get my Mexican national team call up. What's with that, Tata? Get yeah. on it. If any of you are actually doctors or students of dreams, I would love to hear what those three dreams mean in all sincerity, and I will let the world know. I think there's been so many, and they're so graphic, that it's something that I need to... Uh... I love this as a regular feature, Rog. Rog uh, lays out his dreams, and we read interpretations for last week's dreams. I think this is... By the way, this could be its own break-off My podcast. My dreams are always the same. They're I love always, it. They always involve drunk toast and lifting up the Premier League trophy. I have that one probably about yeah. 300 days. I have, I have your standard, oh, my God, I've got an exam, but I'm stuck on a train. I'm not yeah. going to get to the exam. And everyone has that dream. Mm-hmm. It's these graphic, weirdly, loosely connected ones that need... Well, they need help, Dave. Oh, oh Rog, a quick announcement before we go further that the Men in Blazers TV show is actually returning to television, which is weird. I've had a lot of questions saying, oh, I'm so sorry, you're not on NBC anymore. But we apparently are still on NBC, Rog. Uh, and now we have to apologise for that too. Yeah, we're no, so sorry, we yeah. are on NBC. Yeah, we apologise for, for not being on NBC <laughs> and for being on NBC. We've got back-to-back-to-back shows. Actually, sorry, just back-to-back shows, Rog. Sunday, September 15th back to back to back at 2.30pm Eastern Time and Monday, September 16th at 5.30pm <sighs> Eastern Time on NBCSN. The Sunday episode... That's our British Embassy Premier League inauguration special, special, special. One of the best, I think, we've ever done at the British Embassy. Of our three shows yeah, at the British I'm Embassy. Gonna, I'm going to stick it's my neck three. out. Yeah, I think it is top I think. Would you say it's top three? Top, I'd say top three. Yeah, top two. Yeah, top three. It's controversial. Yeah. To have Wayne Rooney and Rose Lavelle on yeah. stage together, I just thought we got the best of England and the United States of the men's game, the women's game, mm-hmm. pound for pound, to me, the best show we've been honoured to do in a long, long time. Okay, Rog, we've got a packed show. We're going to celebrate a North London derby draw in which a marvellous combination of speed, skill and steel manifested itself into part five-line poem, part MMA fight. That was the game of the season so far, Rog. We talk Everton. thoroughbreds, nope, Liverpool and City extending their leads in what already looks to be another two-horse race. And don't get too excited, Rog, but we're going to talk some Everton Football Club. But first, a toast. Oh, David. Oh, pouring my Budweiser with the incredibly large head, which we get a lot of flack about. Oh, but it is the right way to pour a beer, people. Google it. I want to raise my first third bud of the day to throw it out. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the head on that beer. It's the right way to do That's it. That's a lot of head. Live right, David. I love it. Oh, to throw it out the first pitch at the White Sox game. Last Thursday. Oh, toast me. Oh, mate, it was a remarkable experience. Just what I'd hoped, to be honest, to return to Chicago with my second son, Bear, who's never been there, walking around the places I used to live, places that shaped me, East Rogers Park, the Hot Leaf in Andersonville, Billy Goat Tavern, Pequod Pizza. Oh, then go to the south side, to Comiskey. I had a blast and met so many GFOPs there, Davo. In that crowd, I got to hang out with Frank Thomas, the big hurt. Tell him that he's now probably more famous with Premier League fans. His Nugenics commercial is on like every single ad break during games. I got to meet Ozzy Gian, telling him my son's named after him. I got to meet Steve Stone, legend, single greatest Jewish right-handed pitcher in nearly 4,000 years of Jewish history. An all-star pitcher, Lucas Giolito. 
who is a huge Premier League fan, huge, huge, oddly a Men in Blazers fan, which Whoa. makes me worried about him. Yeah. Been to over 10 Premier League games, Dave. Got to get him on the show. Bud fam, blood fam. As I got to the mound, everything just fell away. <laughs> I didn't see anything. I couldn't hear anything. I kind of just blacked out. Were you nervous before? Were you nervous walking to the mound? I had an adult diaper on. Yeah. So I was not nervous. Well, that took away a lot of the worry. Yeah. My worry was there was going to be an, a public accident. <laughs> and once I strapped that bad boy on, I was uh-huh. so chill. I just it totally blacked out though, Dave. I couldn't see the catcher. I couldn't see the crowd. I couldn't even see my own son. I was just like overwhelmed. It really hit me like an emotional sledgehammer, the sense of wonder and gratitude to the White Sox for the thousand moments of joy and meaning they've given me to America. I've always felt, I realized on this trip, like a Chicagoan trapped in a British kid's body. <laughs> and that city of Studs Turkle, William Refrigerator Perry, Chance the Rapper. And yet my pitch might have been the worst thing to happen to the White Sox. Tell me about Disco it. I didn't, see, I didn't focus on the pitch. It's just a little bit outside. Yeah. Just a little bit low. Did you bounce it? No. I thought I had to be yeah. candid. I thought I had. And the video they cut of me because I was mic'd up. Yeah. I did swear. I thought I'd bounced it halfway like a cricket delivery. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't, but they very kindly, the White Sox, cut out my swearing. And they just say, I throw it. And I just say, excuse me. I was really excusing my incredible blue stream of, of words. But they made me seem like Hugh Grant. I just pitch and then say, whoop, excuse me. Whoopsie daisy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but when I threw it, Dave, I just thought about being a 15-year-old kid turning up in Chicago for the summer, sitting in Comiskey, dreaming about moving to America and then moving to America. Been able to bring my own American kid to the ballpark. Actually, stand on that mound that I'd looked at with wonder 30 years. But really, in short, it's like the Scarface story, but with more mental delusion, probably. It's a testament to the wonders of America, and I raise my bird fam, blood fam, to that courage. Oh, I love that you got to do that, Rog. Love it. Okay. <sighs> Arsenal versus Tottenham. These two heated rivals, both of whom entered this one with their crisis PR teams on call after deflating defeats last week, unveiled just... I'm in a massive game of association football in the 186th playing of the North London derby. Tottenham went 2-0 up in the first half through a tap-in from Christian Eriksen after a horrible goalkeeping mistake and a Harry Kane automatic for the people penalty. But just before (laughs) halftime, Arsenal answered through the most effective piece of French artillery since the Napoleonic age. The left boot of Alexandre Lacazette on 71 minutes. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang turned in a tasty ball to level the score. What a game of football. Two sides. Desperately needed a result here, Rog. And they both got one. Few battles are more profound, David, than the fight for your own self-respect. Ultimately, it's what all these years of podding that we've done together. It's the one theme I constantly return to. I mean, to prove yourself to yourself, this frantic... Wait a minute, what is the one theme you constantly return to? Trying to prove yourself to yourself. Oh, it's not a self-loathing. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> okay, same it's thing. Exactly the it same is? thing. Is yeah, it? I've not really got beyond that stage <laughs> in, the, in the development. But this this frantic, frenzy, yeah. chaotic clash—it was just full of that. It was like girl interrupted, remade. Spurs hadn't won on the road since January the twentieth, which is astonishing. Starts for want away, but not get away. Christian Eriksen and mystery doghouse visitor Jan Vertonghen. Arsenal with their squad now in complete transition. Started with a newly befanged front three, Lacquer, Ober and Pepe. Movement, power, pace, guile gave Arsenal the upper hand. But just when the commentators were lauding their sharper menace, Spurs' first counter-attack. What happens, David? Son turns Louise in the midfield. I mean, that's just like, for oh. starters, it's pretty easy to go and do. Oh. Uh, feeds Lamella. Lamella shoots. Doesn't look... 
slow roll. Yeah, a bit of a slow. Doesn't look like anything, but Leno uh, spills it. How do you say limb wrists in German? Yeah, I'll tell you, Christian Eriksen, even he enjoyed tapping that in. Oh, who was there? It had to be him, really, to yeah. roll it into the empty net, AK adding a cool mill or two to his ultimate exit price. David Louise, David. Mm-hmm. Didn't we didn't we break this one down for Arsenal last week? We did. Stan Kroenke, we know you listen to this podcast. Act on what we're talking about. There's not a rake he doesn't step on to yeah. spring up into his own face. A banana skin he won't skid on. A dog turd he won't jump on on that field. I, I realise watching this game, playing defence with David Louise is like taking a plastic bag from Walmart and saying, I can use this as a condom. Nothing, nothing's going to happen, no matter what you tell yourself, Stan Kroenke. David Louise, in your defence, it's not going to end well. I mean, David Louise, the one thing, I have a new objectivity with David Louise that I didn't, I didn't have when he was playing for my own team. Yeah. I never was a huge David Louise fan. I mean, you'd have to track back a long way to find me saying something positive about David <laughs> Louise on either of his two Chelsea stints. But my thing about David Louise is that he... He's had moments in his career of sublime skill. But he pings that diagonal ball. He's a pinger. He therefore thinks of himself as a highly skilled footballer. And part of playing... The midfielder he always was as a kid. Yes, and part of playing at centre-back is understanding your limitations and what you can't do, as well as it is to know what you can do. You know, I bring up one of your favourite central defenders of all time, John Terry. Is John Terry didn't have any of the speed of David Luiz, did not have the skill of David Luiz, but he, you couldn't turn him very easily because he always took that extra space or he made that physical Take touch. Take the ball he in just, the face! Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> he just always did something to make it difficult for a defender. David Luiz thinks he can recover from anything and so he tries to poach the ball, constantly gets turned, constantly gets turned like that. You've got to... As a professional athlete, you have to learn to play within yourself and to play to your own limitations. And I don't think David Luiz has any sense of his own limitations. And with him, Arsenal looked so good up top. But once you break through, the front three, it wasn't all Luiz. The front three was so high up, the midfield just got pulled way up the pitch and there was only open space behind them. They essentially take the field with a neon sign above them saying, yes, we are susceptible to the counter and we know Emery's going to have Hector Bellerin and Kieran Tierney return from injury. But even with Epe, you think about them as buccaneering kind of fullbacks. You don't think about them as the most tactically, positionally astute. Arsenal remain, we've said this, they're like one of those Greek gods that are half man, kind of half ass. They're the US women national team's attack fused onto the US men's national team's defence. And it would get worse for Arsenal. 39 minutes, Xhaka. I don't know how to... He dived side down, son in the box. It was... I've looked at it maybe 12... It's just... I do not understand what, what he was doing. He was, he was just aiming to make great contact with son, <laughs> I think. And he just made excellent contact Pack with the man. Packers bears are uh, back! Exactly, exactly. He made great contact. It was a tackle like a child playing defence on EA Sports yeah. FIFA for the first time. Everyone knows you don't hold B down in the box, bro. It was astonishing. Yeah. But it wasn't that astonishing because you look at Xhaka... You look at so many Arsenal players, they've given ample evidence. Former lawyer, Michael Davis, Mm -hmm. let me take you into the courtroom. Have they not given us ample evidence that they are not fit for Premier League purpose, their liabilities? They've given us so much warning, but it's never heeded. 
Well, I think very often it's sort of an, another player, Granite Shaka. I think he's a player capable of sublime quality, capable of doing sublime things, actually has some leadership qualities, unlike other uh, people on that team. And yet he's capable of making these just insane, <sighs> insane, insane mistakes. Over. And and over and again. by the way, that's football. Not everybody can win, but definitely in a in a time in a league where we have two just teams who are just extraordinarily, extraordinarily good and almost perfect. It's good of you to it put Everton in City's ether already. It shines. It's Big. not Everton. Roger. It shines shape. a light on 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 the weaknesses of all these other teams, I including mean, Arsenal and Chelsea. And <sighs> And Man United. Along came Harry Kane's clinical penalty. That was a good penalty. Good, he's only on the field for penalties now. He looks, he looks knackered. Yeah, he looks, looks tired. Too, I mean, we should note 10th North London Derby goal for him, tying Adebayor and Bobby Smith as most in the fixture, which is really impressive. He does look shattered there. I'm, I'm trying to work out how four games into the season, after his first proper kind of proper break that he's probably had in a while. He looks so knackered, Dave. Mm. I think there's more to that story and we'll have ah, to wait for it. But just when Arsenal seemed to be teetering, a movie, Dave, how many times have we seen that movie, the Arsenal teetering in big games so many times before, they suddenly remembered it's only Spurs we're playing, a team who they previously rescued 41 points from losing positions in the Premier League. So in added time, at the end of the first half, free kick circulated back into the box. Pepe slips in Lacazette and, oh! I mean, you say we've seen this so many times, but this is, you know, Tottenham up 2-0 in a North London derby at Arsenal. Not easy to come back, even at home, from this kind of deficit. What an important goal that was I then. Mean, bloody important. I mean, flying bodies in the box. Lacquer so cool. So leave that first touch, that second touch, Jason Bourne style crap. Then using that left foot to just, I mean, obliterate the ball. Blast it past Lloris into the net. Hope lives, hope lives. Remarkable goal. Deliciously timed in Judge Ivor Bennett time. Mm-hmm. The one moment my dad said is most devastating to score a goal because it forces both managers. My dad really believed this. Both managers, as soon as the ball goes in, he, he really thought they genuinely rip up their planned half-time speeches. He's a and great just have believer in the half-time speech, your yep, father. Yep. For those it's new beautiful. listeners, my dad used to think, right on the cusp of half-time, makes the team talk ripped up. They have no choice but to rip up the yep. very sage points that we're going to yep. make, because it's a different game. They've got different to talk game. About. And then his other time to score a great goal was, David, a minute after half-time, because yep. the players he thinks are like, Resources, no, don't. This yeah, game's changed. They can't adjust. Don't can't adjust now. Can't do what manager yeah. just told. What do we do now? Panic sets in. Yeah. All I know is that was, well, a he was fan- right. By the way, about the Chelsea game. Fan- <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic half of football. Triumph, comedy, wonder, fear, tenacity, and an enormous bloody shadow obliterating half the pitch. But the second half equaled it. Kept that adrenaline-filled pace. Tackles flying in. So much space on the field. Leno, Laurie, Sharp when called upon. Arsenal, tactical adjustment, Yankov Torreira, fling on Ceballos, holy crap, talk about instant impact, the Emirates roared for one week, it sounded like Highbury of old, David. By the way, great names for footballers, Yankov Torreira. The Bulgarian, yeah. Yankov. <laughs> Yankov, and then fling on us, he's a useful player from the uh, former Yuz- Yugoslavian Republic. Yeah. Oh, um, I mean, their substitution transformed the game. Yeah, they did, they did transform the game, and... You know, and I think this is why 
Emery frustrates some Arsenal fans. He's occasionally capable of such tactical brilliance and occasionally capable of such tactical ineptitude. Why this didn't you see it from the beginning yes, is what exactly. Arsenal fans will be saying. Because yeah. Arsenal started to stand up straight. They suddenly found the space, the pass in the movement. I mean, all I can think about that second half for Arsenal, you've probably never been to IKEA in your life, have you? Yeah, I have. But you get like an IKEA piece of furniture, right? No, I go for the meatballs. So you <laughs> Have you ever tried to build IKEA yes. furniture? Yes, of and course you, I have. And they have that weird kind of like graphic instruction that yeah. like for an hour you're just like punching yourself in the face and then suddenly it just clicks. That's what it was like watching Arsenal. It was suddenly mm-hmm. like the instructions said, oh, they mean this. After two hours of swearing, failing, toiling to put it all together. I think you just made it too simple because I think IKEA instructions are very clear. I think it's like trying to put together a child's car seat. Oh, which don't makes start. no. Don't start. If you've not had children I had to yet, get a GFOPs, you might want to. I actually think that having children is the greatest thing you can ever do with your life. Except for one thing, is having I to put together seat. a car seat or any children's plastic Furniture or mate, equipment. Mate, by the way, if there's any young people out there looking for a future business opportunity, car seat putter oh, in make a, a consultant. Better, oh, make a better car seat. Well, just be a consultant that yeah. helps people put the car seats yeah, in. Yeah, it's a good job. Uh, it's an amazing job. It's yeah. the future, mate. Technologies. Oh, but the equaliser. What a ball from Genduzzi, though. I feel like he's been around forever. Really? Just 20 years of age. Yeah. yeah. Partly the hair. And by the way, I bet you he got scouted because of the hair. That yeah. lad looks good. He looks like a real footballer. Yeah. This, to me, was the game where he really did look like the hair. Always suggested he would do. Uh-huh. And incredible. I mean, my man of the match, curl, guile, just wisdom, leadership. That ball, David, into space. Ball. Into space. But it's space that Aubameyang, he's... Aubameyang is like, he's both, he manages to simultaneously be both a new school striker and an old school striker. It's one of the things I love about him. <sighs> he's got both. He's got a little bit of Gary Lineker about him. And then he's also got Thierry Henry. He's got like both sides of his game, which I love. There's the Obama. Yeah. And the Yang. And the Yang. Yeah, he's yeah. both. Yeah. And it only needed the mirror to fling on Sabados. From, from, from either Alba or Yang. Yeah. That goal was more of a Yang, wasn't it? Yeah. Yang that ball in. Yeah. And Spurs, at that moment, just seemed tired, lost, couldn't get the ball onto the feet of any of their playmakers, Christian Eriksen or David Luiz. And by the way, how much already that side seemed to miss Ndombele. Socrates, though, thought he had the winner, rightly called offside, cruel on Arsenal fans. Those screams of wonder just, I hate that when Everton score and then they call it back and your scream <laughs> of joy just sticks and you're kind of frozen there. And you, oh, I, didn't, I knew it wasn't the goal, but it yeah. just sticks in your throat like a salmon boat. Yeah. Astonishing though, Dave. You do, it doesn't happen that often. You know, <laughs> by the way, I'll take an offside goal. I'll take a disallowed goal. I'll take that fleeting joy. Any uh, fleeting joy too, is still actually. in the category of joy. Yeah. I'll take it. But you think Arsenal, the last 10 years, what do you think, Dave? You think beatdowns? You think embarrassment? You think thumpings? You think just... But no, Arsenal side, they can go 2-0 down in a massive match. No, you, you said three words during your wrap-up. I don't think you even noticed yourself say it, but it's something remarkable. I think it's something that... You have never said it. How many years have we done this podcast? Nine years 18. now? Nine years, I think. It's felt like 18. But, <laughs> but three words that have never been said on describing an Arsenal performance at any point over the last few years. I love myself. Tackles yeah. flying in. Tackles <sighs> flying in. Tackles flying, flying 
in. in. We just not heard that in. about Arsenal. And that was what was so great to watch about this. By the way, you don't always hear it about Tottenham. Uh, either, except when they're playing Chelsea towards the end of the season and they've got the hump. You know what, but they were a... like, though? The spine, though, to keep going, Davo, in the face of embarrassment, which is what Arsene Wenger always, tenacity, the, the ability to tenacity. go from A to B without losing focus. Uh-huh. They've turned into, and I say this as a great compliment, Arsenal have become like a rich man Sheffield United. Yeah. Never give in. Yeah. Oh. Except David Luiz is spending his entire time <laughs> overlapping when they don't actually have that tactic at Arsenal. <laughs> oh, what a game. At the final, I just was sitting there in a puddle of sweat and beer, a little bit of my own pee. And I don't support either of those two teams. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, Arsenal fans, Spurs fans, how you survive that game. Ultimately, both teams will probably be annoyed they didn't win. Both teams will be relieved they didn't lose. Arsenal finished surging like an elephant that could suddenly fly. Spurs, Felt like a win for Arsenal. It did, because Spurs furious let two goals. Arsenal are kind of annoyed they didn't keep going and get that third, David. I mean, all of that energy, all of that momentum. Spurs so knackered. Spurs just Spurs just down for the cat. They couldn't finish them off, Davo. I mean, both teams seem, and Graham Lasso said this near the final whistle, far, far away in quality from Liverpool, Man City. Who is the better team? based on what we've seen so far in your mind? I think it's so hard to say. But can I... I'm going to avoid that question a little bit by by saying what I was thinking about watching football all weekend. Please. Four games into the Premier League season. It's, Feels it, longer. You know, it reduces to 2 ths That's essentially one-tenth. That's, that's not a perfect a reduction. That's not a perfect reduction. Your, yeah. But it's about 10% of the way through Don't the season. Don't come at me with your imprecise fractions, friend, though. with this season is... How many of the things that seem very significant now are actually going to be significant by the end of the season? What are the significant things going on? Like trying to find, what was it the White House correspondent, Major Garrett, Major Garrett said to him, in covering the White House, you have to separate <laughs> what's important from what's interesting. A signal think, from the noise. Yeah, I think right now there's lots of things that are interesting, but what's really What's really, really important. And I think that... This is also a first for us in all these years of podcasting. We've never asked ourselves that question. I know, because we want the weekly story. That we've always, what, what we've, we've always willingly flung ourselves on the insignificant and overhyped it. So please, David, tell me what? Reveal it all like the Wizard of Oz is just a little bald man behind the curtain. I don't know, but I do have a feeling that what's important for Arsenal is playing with that more strength, that more fight, that more... More than the tactical mistakes, more than the David Luiz stuff, which is interesting. Hilarious. It's that sort of, and very, very funny. It's that, <laughs> it's that sort of strength, it's that tenacity that may be more important for Arsenal. And that's why I'd put Arsenal somewhat ahead of Tottenham. I hadn't thought about what you said about Harry Kane. The second you said how tired Harry Kane looked, I was, I was like, oh my God, Roger, you're right. He really did look tired. I hadn't thought about that. That may be significant also. Oh, you know, I tell you what I love, by the way, Pepe. Not scored a goal yet, but oh my God, you... He runs his little socks You off. cut together his highlight YouTube reel of misses. Yeah. Watch that all day, mate. To me, the two teams who came back to the noise rather than the signal. Yeah. Arsenal seem to be the squad improving, if you have to pick, of the two. Yeah. I mean, Spurs have, in truth, and this is astonishing to me to think about big picture, not really played well since January. I mean, they've overachieved based on Pochettino's demands for intense collectivity. It's been a thing of wonder to watch, the togetherness. It's been undermined a little bit by Ericsson and the uncertainty that's been allowed to flap on like a flailing piece of skin, the unexplained dropping of the Tongan. 
Most of all, the odd dance we're leaving that Pochettino started ahead of the Champions League final and has yeah. continued to kind of flicker into the beginning of this season. And we're yeah. only a drumbeat that will become louder if United or Real Madrid jobs open up in season. But it's all combined to create a kind of chaotic staleness of fatigue that set in. And in this game, they needed a David Luiz mindfall and a Xhaka gonna Xhaka mistake to get on the score sheet. The ugly truth is the Champions League miracle fairy tale wonder Master reality, Spurs league form has floundered going right back to the beginning of the year. And whatever's ailing in the locker room, they've got to work through it. Happy Pochettino, suave Pochettino, the Pochettino that we love. We have not seen that guy in a long, long time. And Arsenal with all their shiny new pieces. Love Pepe. Honestly, Arsenal's defence is so bad. Here's what I think, Cronky. I know you're listening. Just stop trying to have any pretense of playing defence. Fling everything in from the off into attack. That's interesting. Like an NHL team. Go for eight. Go for eight. Pull the goaltender. Okay, you score nine against us, you win. Don't feel the goalkeeper. Uh Uh-huh. Like, you know how in the NHL, towards the end, you pull your goalie. Yeah. Arsenal should be the first team to play 11 outfielders. Hmm. Like a hockey team playing without a goaltender from the first drop of the puck. Kroenke will like that, because he'll understand that from the Colorado Avalanche sports team he does know he owns. Do it, Kroenke. It'll be amazing. We will see. What could go see. wrong now? Having said that, as we're talking about this, all I'm thinking is if you'd have offered Tottenham fans a 2-2 draw, you know, at Arsenal going into Stamp the weekend, they'd have, taken, they'd have taken it. Okay, Burnley nil, Liverpool 3, Rod, oh. Jurgen Klopp's mob, head into the international break with four wins from four games after their first clean sheet of the season in the Shires. The Reds drew first blood on 33 minutes when TAA looped a textbook shass, oh, oh. so cruel, off of Kiwi, Chris Wood and into the net for what went down as an own goal. I feel the keeper might have done a little bit better with that. Sadio Mane doubled the lead four minutes later, and Bobby Chompers added a goal 10 minutes from full time in an excellent uh, dance. But with the game well in hand, some slightly odd scenes as Mane erupted after Mo Salah opted to take a chance himself <laughs> rather than pass it to the wide-open Senegalese. That kerfuffle aside, a pretty much perfect afternoon gives Liverpool a club record 13th win in a row. We'll get to the Mane-Salah soap opera in a minute. But oh, street fight in Burnley at Turf Moor, the ground which, as we always say, makes it sound as if the stadium is sponsored by local hobbits. It's a place where <laughs> Liverpool teams of yore have had to fight to extract three points. They've had to work so yep. bloody hard. And this was noticeably easier for Liverpool. Yeah, Burnley harried, hustled, they growled, they ground, they frustrated Liverpool. Klopp's Liverpool 1.0 would have toiled against this kind of opponent. Indeed, seasons past, I would have watched with hope. But this season, this is the true barometer, my mood while I watch Liverpool's season, oh wonder, oh destiny, where the team just have so much confidence, so few fears, they expect to win. And so it came to pass out of nothing. Trent Alexander-Arnold picked up the ball, third of the way into the Burnley half, looked up, curled in a deep cross, it caressed Wood off the bat, looped over Pope into the nets, Shass of the season, David. Can you explain your shass to new shass. listeners? It's a it, it's a pass that ends up becoming a shot. This actually was not just a shass. This was a this was actually we have a chassist, which is a a shot that becomes a pass to an assist. Meant this it. Is, meant is, it. This is a shass goal. Yeah. Like there are lots of shasses that don't result in goals. This was a this was a shass 
goal. Uh, former Chelsea winger Jasper Gronkaya used to <sighs> used to specialise in, uh, in 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 this kind of Shas goal. He used to stay behind. If you read running his down auto- the wing, if he if you read his autobiography, I yeah. Shas, you Shas, we yeah. all Shas. Yeah. He said he used to stay behind after training and just practice, which his is shas, fifteen minutes, and he do extra Shas training himself, yeah. just Shas. But it was a thing of beauty. Chasse. This was a thing of beauty. It was a, it was it was a chasse of beauty. And watching what a chasse of beauty. Watching both Liverpool and Man City this it's weekend. Like a rainbow chasse. I just kept on thinking that all of their goals are just brushstrokes in these games that are just beautiful, beautiful paintings. Their games seem inevitable. They are Bruegels. They, they, yeah, they're Bruegels. They're, they're the paintings of the dominance, the inevitable dominance of Liverpool and Man City. And we get a painting in a game. There's no doubt in these games. There's no sense that there's going to be any other ending than the one we get. And yet it is just did Re- so Did Rembrandt address the canvas and think, you know, I'm going to I'm going to paint a crap one now. No, yeah. he didn't. No, he didn't. He said, I'm going to paint a masterpiece. Is that what you feel when you yes, watch Liverpool and Man City? Just, just Rembrandt beautiful. being, I'm going to just beautiful. dispense another thing that will be in the Rich Museum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, so haters, what Davo's saying, if you didn't like Trent Alexander-Arnold's shass... Of beauty. Suck it. Because if you don't shoot the ball off Chris Wood's back, you don't score. <laughs> That's the art of the shass. <laughs> Within four minutes, it would be 2-0. Ben Mee coughed the ball up, circulated yep. the ball around the back. What are you doing, Ben Mee, you yep. beautiful man? Perhaps blinded by the Burnley twilight glinting off Bobby Chomper's molars. Passed it right to the Brazilian. Sprang Mane, did what Mane does. Finish clinically. Harsh on Burnley, to be honest. They played so positively, brightly, and done by cruel deflection and a moment of self-harming. Bobby Firmino went on to score his 50th Premier League goal. Astonishing. Most ever by a Brazilian in the British top flight. He's probably looked at, by my reckoning, at least a third of them as they cross the line. Big talking point at the end of the game, though, Davo. Mane and Mo Salah. What's happening? I feel like I'm on English talk radio. What's happening there at Anfield in the locker room? Verbal fisty cuffs. If you didn't see it, Mo tried to cutely create space in the box for his own shot. He's pulled his little kiss curl down, got ready to do a yoga pose as the ball went in, but he just coughed the ball up. The Senegalese was wide open. Simple pass would have given him a goal. What did you make of it all? Poor Mane going atypically ballistic on the field after being subbed. What, 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 what wither went? I wonder what's in his contract. Maybe he gets a little bonus when he scores a brace within a game or mm. number of goals he scores on a season. There's some little thing going on. Maybe he's just having a little... Bet for a pack of Walker's crisps with a mate. You think that's what and it is? And he really likes the salt and vinegar a, Walkers. And maybe it's a bonus for the number of likes on the Liverpool I Twitter feed if he it does a, a, bad, maybe, a bad Bobby Firmino takeoff celebration. Maybe Mo Salah, who we think of as being the nicest, cuddliest person in the world, it's is a actually a complete a-hole behind one, the scenes. One of those. One, one of those people. Everybody thinks he's so nice. Seems like an angel. He's got yeah. this beautiful I kiss I was going to name someone, but I'm not going he's to. He's amazing. There, but there are me. certain... To- me. No, Are you going to name me? Is, I'm an awful, but I tell everyone I'm an awful person in real life. There is a certain talk show host who is yeah. thought of being as being the, the nicest, cuddliest, loveliest person on television, who in fact is just the worst. And it really could be, that could be Mo Salah. Oh, mate, my mind is, I won't have Jerry Springer hate on this <laughs> show. Like, I love though. Jerry Springer. I won't have, I Jer- I won't have your, your <laughs> slightly coded Jerry Springer hate. I don't know any other talk shows. Ricky, Ricky Lake. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ricky too. <laughs> Is it Chevy Chase? <laughs> <laughs> I will say, 
Hey, seeing Mane angry. Everyone's going to be tweeting in who it is now. Seeing Mane angry. It was like seeing nicest person on TV, Robbie Musto, go mental. Yeah. Which I can't even mentally picture. Mm -hmm. My favourite part of the whole thing was Bobby Firmino, Bobby Chompers on the bench, patting Mane on the knee, being like, I know, I know, he does it to me too. He (laughs) does it to me too all the time, love. Look, this could be something. This could be nothing, right, David? Those are the two options. Would you agree? Yeah. <laughs> Would you, have I encapsulated them well enough yeah, there? It could, could be, be something. It could be a very, very tiny something. Or Big, it could be absolutely space. nothing. Or it could just be, yeah, nothing. I mean, Klopp said afterwards he was... Liverpool's ups- title hopes hang in the balance because of one moment of madness from Sadio Mane. Jerry Springer, Ricky Lake, Mane, Mane. He was upset. That was obvious, Klopp said. Sadio can't hide his emotions. He does. He pretty well hides his emotions. He smiles. What are you talking about, Jürgen? He just smiles. That's his only emotion, man, yeah. right? He says, I like that. It's all sorted. We spoke about it. Everything's fine. We're individuals. We are emotional. Situation in the game he wasn't happy about. It's completely fine. I'll tell you what's fine. Liverpool's front three since the start of 2017-18, 169 goals they've scored. Whoa. So we can kind of put this down to they know what they're doing. Let's not doubt them. Unless, Davo, it's the beginning of the Mo Salah want-away narrative <laughs> that we can all pinpoint to this moment. I love this, though. If I'm a Liverpool fan, this is how I think about it. We're top of the league. Yeah. Perfect record. Clean sheet. New club record of 13 consecutive league wins. But your players still want more. That's what I'd say to myself. This was interesting and not important, Rog. <laughs> uh, Could an- be everything. Could be nothing. Another Bruegel, Rog. Man City 4, Brighton nil. The Seagulls hold out for all of 68 seconds, Rog, before conceding to Kevin De Bruyne in the defending champs. Argentine Sonnen enthusiast Sergio Aguero <laughs> added two goals. Bernardo Silva, my daughter, loves Sonnen, made it four and City remain imperious. They enter the break with three emphatic wins and one VAR-induced draw against Spurs. Oh, it's a game a bit like watching Big Blue play Gary Kasparov second time around. Yeah. Just machine destroying human. I feel like every week with City, our match reports are the same, Dave. We praise Kun Aguero for his Aguero contractual weekly goals, right? Yeah. And then we worship one other player, be it David Silva, Bernardo. Sometimes when we get a bit bored, we'll talk about Gundogan or Raz. This week it was KDB. Goal and assist. Fifth assist in four games. Kind of hungry, yet avant-garde brilliance that reminds you of an astonishing reality. City won the league last season with KDB out for almost all of it. KDB being, in my mind, the best player in the Premier League. I know. Isn't that amazing? Just amazing. That second goal, Rog, was a thing of beauty. It was the lesser-known Man City 4.14 backslash 5230 small e f Two. It was just a perfect goal. Just oh. beautiful, beautiful, beautiful football. I actually yelped. I yelped. Let a little yelp when that uh, when that goal went. Oh, in. you're a bigger man than me. Because yeah. after they put in the first couple, the rest of the match kind of meandered along, but like an Eric Cantona philosophical speech. One dark cloud on Pep's otherwise blue sky. Laporte. Could be out for, quote, some time after the Man City defender suffered an injury to his right knee in the 33rd minute, departing on a stretcher. So harsh on the 25-year-old who was due to join up with the French national squad for the first time Mm. uh, later this week. Laporte, really the one place on Pep's death chart. Depth, his death chart. Uh, yeah. Pep probably does have a death chart. Yeah, he does. He? He goes, uh, now you will die. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you'll have a choice. You can either die or shave your hair off completely mm-hmm. and become a bald. Mm. I'll take death. He's not going to be happy about this. I mean, he's, he's got, hello, returning from injuries, John Stones, or he's got Fernandinho 
press ganged uh, into the position. Watch out, January transfer window. Going to come in with a £70 million bid for Jags. No, I think it'll be Nathan Ake before that, or even Tyrone Mings. We'll see. Okay, Southampton won, Rod Jax. Man United won. Ralph Hampton <laughs> come from behind to earn a draw Hip against end. a woozy Man United. It was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's men who hit first when Welsh... Arjen Robin with hair. Daniel James, class. He's always cutting inside, <laughs> Rog. He pinned one in the top corner on just 10 minutes. But credit the Rabbit Hutch's side, who Yannick Vestergaarded themselves back into the game when the Big Dane posterised fellow Scandi, Victor Lindelof, to head past De Gea. United, Rog, five points from their first <sighs> four played, having been unconvincing since that match week one mauling of Chelsea. Southampton from the off just charged fearlessly at United. They threw everything forward. United bent, wilted. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had admitted this week no Alexis. Lukaku gone. The United quote might be a striker like comments, which would be true. But for one thing, Davo, oh, 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 Welsh Luke Skywalker. Oh, Daniel James. What? what? Is that noise? Is that empty hype? Are we going to remember Daniel James at the end of this season or is that a thing of wonder? Because to me, God, Scott, if you didn't see it, Scott McTominay fed him, drifting left of the area. He was signed, the 21-year-old. At the time, it seemed one for the future, the under-23 squad, but he just received the ball, had one bold, confident thought, cut inside, smash it home. Like a rocket man, burning out his fuse up here I all think along. we can say Three this goals, about Daniel James. He puts his puts his places through the ball when he shoots. He hits it hard, which I love. And he tends to hit the target or somewhere very close to the target. He can really thump a football. And uh, I love that about him. I do think that there is that Premier League defenders and opposing managers do figure out players' tendencies. And he's going to have to add more to his game than that, you know, Arjen Robin dodgy flapper cut inside. What a life he's living, though. Everything, I imagine, he wishes for himself is happening at Dogfish Bradford tweeted us to say two-thirds of Daniel James' dream board's coming true. Now someone just has to introduce him to Rihanna. Richard Jolly quickly and cruelly tweeted, Daniel James has now scored as many Premier League goals for Manchester United as Alexis Sanchez. At Brummit 43 GFOP said, Daniel James looks to be a Tom Brady-like six-round draft pick. Either that at Brummit 43 or he might just be the next Adnan Yanashai. And then... It all went a bit surprised. Well, he could be the side note in a trivia question about Mason Greenwood's first Man United game about who scored the who scored their first goal. Who was that kid? Yeah. Who was that? What was his name? Davy. Yeah. Davy. Jimmy. Davy Johnny. Whatever the Davey hell Johns. it was. Yeah. Oh, Sunderland ruined him, and then. It all went a bit Sebastian Maniscalco for United, David. What, what do you happened? Mean, not that funny. Mm, it was just <laughs> awful to watch. Physical comedy. Just terrible. Um, sloppy. Unable to seize control of the opportunity. How's yeah, that? Very true. But Yannick Vestergaard, Rog, what a fine-looking man. Oh, you would, though, wouldn't you, David? You would. I mean... Oh, Many would. United seem to let Southampton on to them, just saying, Maguire and Wambasaka will save us. And they did. <laughs> Until your man. Just cool. Vestergaard. Oh, Vestergaard. I mean, like, Rose to uh, meet that ball think, in the air. I think his official name is Yannick Vestergaard, son of Arathon 2 and Gil Wren, also yeah. known as Elisar and Strider, later crowned 35th King of Gondor, that great ranger and warrior. He bore the shards of Narsil. 
and he got his meaty Danish German head on the ball, just dunking it over Lindelof. Oh, yeah, fantastic goal. United couldn't even prevail, though, Davo, after Southampton reduced to 10 men. Kevin mm-hmm. Danso, young Austrian-English Ghanaian defender, named after a career notched end blown vertical bamboo flute, just rush of blood to the head, what's known in the trade as a Xhaka. Why do they always take out McTominay? There's something about him. Let's just... Can't, they can't help themselves. Mm. They got even when they're on a yellow card. They just want to flatten McTominay. Eighteen minutes for United to flip the narrative. Could they create a chance in the way they failed to against Palace? Nope. No. And at the end, it was Ralph Hasenhuttle running mm. onto the field, punching his fist in glory. A draw, which felt like a win for him. A loss for United. How do you understand United right now, David? I need to make one point about Man United, Roger, and I think Please. it's crucial. They have readjusted too far for the size of their blazer patch. I don't know if you noticed this. In the Van Gaal <sighs> era, the size of that blazer patch. It was on almost, the manager, you mean? It was almost larger the, than the blazer. On the team jersey? No, on the, uh, on on the manager, on the breast pocket. It was almost larger than, than the blazer itself. The blazer patch now is so small, you can't even read it. And for <sighs> me, this is like, that is, it's a symbol of Man United's confidence. It's a, well, it didn't it exactly was drop, but it was it overconfident th- under Van Gogh. Oh. Now it's just, it's just, it's the tiniest little blazer patch. It's almost microscopic, Roger, you almost need a microscope. They, they've got a blazer patch that works on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. As an icon. But it works it, it, across it, platforms. It's too small. And this is Twitter a confidence icon, issue. blazer this patch, still, icon. This is still a very good team. This is still a team you think? with very good players. Very, very good players, Rog. And yet they've got a <sighs> they've got a confidence thing going on, which is sort of hard to figure out. You and think it's tough it's to just make confidence. the same. We're gonna to get to Chelsea. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, preface my uh, Chelsea points by saying you can sort of understand with Chelsea that the confidence thing, these are kids mostly playing. These aren't kids playing for United. This is a fairly young team. He's playing younger teams than he's played in the past. Well, no, they're Very young, young but there's, a lot, of, of there's a lot of Premier League experience. They've got rid of the Deadwood. There's a lot of Premier League experience playing in that team. You just can't quite understand why they don't have the confidence to finish off these games. And you look at who they've shipped out this week after five points now over the course of these four games. This team seems so incredibly average. And by the way, that includes, this pains me to say this, Marcus Rashford, who's tailed off in an alarming way. Still cute but he's tailed off. I mean, you take out Daniel James in his exclamation point goals, there's not a lot of wonder in that United score. We, we, we think about them as a marquee team. It used to look at them with wonder. Now it seems like they've got Brendan Fraser, Nicholas Cage, Val Kilmer, a lot of former A-listers who've, who've become kind of B-list watchers. And it's pretty ugly to watch how pedestrian they are. I mean, they are in the middle of what we call in America rebuilding, which is not a strategy Premier League footballers normally allow for. Chipping away that deadwood, Alexis joins Antonio Conti's Inter Milan on loan alongside other United player in exile, Romelu Lukaku, Belgian Jura Mormont. Sad end to a terrible transfer for Alexis. United squad is young. Vast majority are under 21. They've got that massive Europa League travel schedule and commitment. It's going to be many bumps ahead. I find it amazing, David. You listen to like the English pundits, Gary Neville say it's going to take three or four transfer windows to get United right, as if they haven't been pumping money in for the past three or four transfer windows. Something other than the players that's a problem to me, David. On the bright side, no penalties missed for United. That alone... Yeah, that's a big game. That's a big win. I did love this tweet from at PGDJ88. Can't wait for the Roger Bennett promoted series on Manchester United in three or four years' time. (laughs) 
Absolutely, Rog. Okay, Chelsea 2, Sheffield United 2. Chelsea went 2-0 up through a razor-sharp Tammy Abraham, only to roll over and allow the newly promoted Blades to snatch a point. 48 seconds after halftime, Judge Ivor Bennett time, Rog. Callum Robinson, good player, steered a cross past Kepa. They completed the comeback with a deft Kurt Zuma flick into his own net that would have made even Gary Cahill proud. Playing the babies, Rog. A political doctrine in which optimism and inexperience collide head on. Youngest ever Chelsea Premier League side. Average yeah. age 24 years, 158 days. Yeah. Astonishing. I was still going through puberty at that age. Yeah. Including Fiaco Tamore, 21-year-old centre-back from Calgary. Yeah. Absolutely, originally. And it all started well. 19 minutes, traffic in the area. Sheffield United keeper Henderson distracted by the American beauty of Christian Pulisic charging in. Let the ball turn into slop. And when the slop, Davo, who is there for Chelsea? Oh, Tammy Abraham, another old, he's an old school centre forward, Rog. He manages to knock it in, put him in, the, give him a chance in the box. He likes it, Rog, he likes it in the box. Give him his full name, Real Madrid's Tammy Abraham. Maybe. But credit Sheffield United, tempt to move the ball positively brightly, but then more self-inflicted slop on the stroke of halftime. Two centre-backs, comedy taking each other out after watching the David Luiz training DVD that they use mm. over up there north at Sheffield, leaving the ball open at whose feet, Dave? What a poacher. The best Tammy since Wynette. Yep, Tammy Abraham, Rog. Became the first Englishman to score at least two goals in consecutive Premier League appearance for Chelsea since who, Dave? I'll give you a clue. It's his dad. Frank Lampard. Yes! In, in 2010. I thought that was Mason Mount's dad. Such a proud dad. He's been everyone's dad. In a way, Frank Lampard is all of our dads. What was interesting? Sheffield United coming back and getting two. What was important? Tammy Abraham scores mm. another two goals. He's got four goals in the season. This is the Chelsea, new debut trick, no, this. Chelsea it's just a way of like, just taking the bit you like. And, like taking the bit, first, Chelsea have unearthed a striker. Damn. We've unearthed a striker. Tammy Abraham is a Premier League quality striker who came through the academy, Rog, at a team that haven't brought anybody through the academy since John Terry. It has been amazing to see this happen. Oh, first half. <laughs> just say Matty <laughs> Chelsea for sector. I've got to say, if you yeah. did watch the game, first half could be called the joy of youth. Yeah. Second half, the green inexperience of youth. I mean, United came out with a renewed focus, tenacity, moved the ball around with poise. Robinson got the team back into the game. And Chelsea was symbolised by Pulisic's play. Denied space. He just seemed lightweight. Non-factor in that second half as Sheffield United asserted themselves. Got no discernible relationship yet with Dave uh, on the right flank. Dave did not have a good game. But contextualise us where Christian is in his development as a Premier League player. Right you know, now. I don't know what the website is, but there's there's a sort of a Pulisic watch. Wikipedia.com. Website. I don't know if it's on NBC Sports or somewhere else, but they, they break down every contribution that Pulisic has during a game and they break it down minute by minute by minute by minute. And they sort of, it's like just show. And then, and it was sort of amazing in this game. I sort of read it and in the first half or the first sort of half of the first half, it's like Pulisic does this and he goes past this man and he glides and puts an excellent ball through to this person. And you can just feel the enthusiasm of the writers. As the game went on, <laughs> the enthusiasm is gradually being lost as they realise that he is just a player on the field doing the best he can in ultimately a drawing effort at home against Sheffield United. This is going to be a hard few months for Christian Pulisic. We've got Callum Hudson-Odoi coming back, presumably, after the international break. And who are you going to play? The guy with two names or the guy with three? 
probably probably the guy Until management works. Um, he's going to have a chance, or at least he's got competition for his place. Now, Pedro's going to come back. He's had a, he's carried a couple of knocks. Willian is going to come back in. I just think it's going to be hard of him to make the side automatically, and he's going to have to have some really, really good games. I'm not saying he's playing badly. I'm not saying he looks out of place. He looks like he belongs. He's doing some things. He definitely contributed as part of the move for Tammy's first goal. But he's going to have to do more than this in order to go and be the Premier League, not superstar, but the Premier League star that I think many people have not just wanted him to be. I think that many people have expected him to be. And certainly that the money that Chelsea paid for him would demand that he needs to do. This was not a £20 million buy. This wasn't a risk. This was a large amount of money paid uh, for the young man from Pennsylvania. I know Roman Abramovich listens to this podcast. Yes, a lot. I don't know how I say welcome in Russian. Storazvoitcha is hello. Pozdravlyayu is congratulations. Oh, interesting. Oh, God, that was very... That was like the mm-hmm. end of No Way Out. Chelsea, I know, Roman, you're listening. Chelsea need to work with Christian over the international bait on growing the size of his bump. <laughs> Do you know what? You're right. It's a good point. It's the only it's point. A, surely they've what still else? got Eden's butt, button-larging exercises yes. written down in exactly. the training room. Some buttock development. Well, like say, Tony, Tony, get us those diagrams of Eden's button-enlarging <laughs> exercises. We need to give them to the Yanks. Give them to the septic. Need his ass. Need him for the septic. You've got, got to make his ass larger. Need his ass. Come on, need him. Get on there, That's Roman. it. His ass isn't big enough. Flounder in, though. In the second half of games has become a motif for you, Chelsea, David. Yeah. You kind of want to see Lampard realise this and protect his team. Wise substitutions, help them out. But in this one... Billy Gilmore. <laughs> Double it down, Billy Gilmore. Oh, let's have somebody even younger. Let's have somebody that even people in the Chelsea Academy have to think like, oh, is this you, kid played for us? You like, know how NBA players like, yeah. say that they're like six foot 11 when really yeah. they're clearly six foot nine. Uh-huh. They kind of exaggerate. They said... That Billy Gilmore is 18 years old. I am calling bullcrap. <laughs> he's in the under eights. He looks about 14. He looks. He's, <laughs> he, he is, by the way, stats and trivia fix. He is actually Happy Gilmore's grandson. That's uh, how he young is. he is. Yeah. He looks like a local scamp. It looks like you've got the <laughs> chimney sweep plucked off the street, just thrown him into the side. Cockles and muscles, Mister. He's oh. like it's a Scott Rod. And it is it's Billy Gilmore from Scotland. Oh, absolutely. That's that's Hey, here I am on the field, <laughs> uh, Mister Frank. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Frank. <laughs> and it really were well until the 89th minute when it didn't. Incredible ball. Yeah. From Robinson. What did, you do, what did you do to Kurt Zuma at Everton? You broke him. By the way. You broke Kurt Zuma. Zuma gonna Zuma. <laughs> He's an amazing piece. By the way, can I just tell you? Zuma's yeah. an amazing Everton player. Yeah. We have a tradition of great centre backs who are guaranteed consistently to give you one terrible mistake a game. Uh, yeah. Guaranteed. That, he is. He's that, perfect. That's a good He's Everton. That's Everton. a good, good well, Everton bite player. Bite your arm off for just yeah. one mistake, guaranteed. Lescott yeah. is like the prototype American. <laughs> he get a Man City point for a lot of money, and then he's got a defense. John defective. Stones, defensive. Those are great Everton centers, but they're just good for other teams. Zuma gonna Zuma under pressure. Oh, and Chelsea's bat line. When you watch Gary Cahill reborn at Crystal Palace, yeah. are you like, what? what are we doing? Yeah, I actually think that this goal was more about and both the Leicester City goals were more about Dave. The really worrying thing, this is perhaps the important thing, Rog, rather than the interesting thing. Oh, that's just I leave me our, with my noise. I David think brings captain, the signal. Our captain, uh, Dave, is just has not had a very good start to this season. He's been 
outplayed pretty much every single week. He seems to have lost a step, Rog. What is it with London teams? Let's get our crappest player, make him captain. We'll take Xhaka, yeah. you take Dave. Can we just say, before we do, post-mortem Chelsea, incredible performance from Sheffield United. Three yeah, years absolutely. ago, they were bottom of League One. This weekend, they went 2-0 down at Chelsea, yet never lost belief, never stopped trying to play the style they want to play. And they responded. Second half was effective. It was dynamic. For long spells, it was dominant. Tribute to the immense human fortitude of Chris Wilder's team. Chelsea, though, Dave, I think, for me, few games will symbolise more this kind of new dynamic in the Premier League uh, this past couple of seasons, even truer this campaign, with Liverpool and City now a cut ahead. The rest of the big six, so mortal. No team, we've said this last season, but even more so now, no team is afraid of Chelsea, of United, Arsenal, even Spurs on this current form. Even the newly promoted teams fancy their chances this season. No such thing as fear right now. Yeah. Not you, Newcastle. Yeah, I think the other thing, though, the other way of looking at it is with Liverpool and Man City so good, it does give a team a chance to rebuild. And particularly with the transfer ban at Chelsea, this I love the playing of youth. I don't know a single Chelsea fan who is not, not no one like Sheffield coming from two goals down, but I don't know a single Chelsea fan who's not enjoying these young kids play. Mr. Frank. And just, <laughs> Mr. Frank. And just do so well. Uh, he's got, a really good team, Rog. And you've got Matt Miazga still to come back. It's all going to be great. Yeah. Leicester City 3, Bournemouth 1, a brace from the Pontiac Trans Am of Premier League footballers Jamie Vardy and a Yuri Tillman's goal, which Vardy set up. Yet another Belgian, Rog. See Brodge's mob join Liverpool and City as the only undefeated teams entering oh. the international break. Two wins, two draws for the Foxes, who you picked, Roger, to come forth this season. Try to curse him. It's not yeah. working. And against a wide-open Bournemouth backline, mm. oh, Jamie Vardy feasted that first goal. That first goal. That, no, that was both... It was both vintage Vardy and better than any goal I've seen Vardy score. Pace, clinicality. Yeah. He's like a WWE great, like an all-time spiky heel yeah. who just keeps winning. And that heel A really annoying goal to concede but, as well. Yeah, but that heel them almost belies what he accomplishes week in, week out, which is legit amazing. Producer J-Dubs and I were chatting over the weekend who he's like in the American pantheon. Mm -hmm. And he came up with, brilliant, Ricky Henderson, my man. Interesting. Cocky as hell, spouter of weird crap off the field. Yeah. God, I wish Ricky Henderson had the Twitter. Ricky, my favourite thing, he'd come out, speak to journalists, and while he was speaking to journalists, he'd shout, where's Ricky's limo? Ricky don't like it when Ricky's limo is late. I just love the Queen, Ricky Henderson, the only people yeah. who are allowed to talk about themselves. I bet you Vardy talks about himself in the third person. But both Ricky and Vardy, Ricky Vardy, both men, careers built on speed, tenacity, and that doesn't wane as they age. Both men would beat Father Time in a foot race. And Vardy would probably outdrink Father Time on the Red Bull and Brandy's team. Crystal Palace won. Vardy don't like Villa it when Vardy's in the most right. Rog. Come on, let's say this again. Crystal Palace won. Aston Villa nil. This first sentence. Had I, had I shown this first sentence to my mate Steve Parrish before the beginning of the season, he would have me read it to him three times. Coming off last week's victory over Manchester United, oh. Palace win a controversial <laughs> affair at Selhurst Park. Is this fan I fiction? I mean, this is fan fiction. <laughs> Coming off last week's victory over Man United... Palace win a controversial affair at Selhurst Park. Are we Park. shipping the NIU brother? Pretty much. They took the lead in the 73rd minute. <laughs> well, actually, this is even better. They took the lead in the 73rd minute through former villain and current AU brother, Jordan. Jordan AU and AU brother scored. Oh, my God. Other but in the 96th minute, 
With ten-man Villa driving forward, the ball broke to Henry Lansbury, who thumped home what looked to be an equaliser. But seconds prior to the strike, referee <laughs> Kevin Friend had whistled Jack Grealish for what he judged oh. to be a dive. Grealish was booked, the goal disallowed, and chaos ensued. That is the stuff. That would be a dream for Steve Parrish. That's oh, so beautiful. harsh on Villa. Oh, Kevin Friend. I, I mean, he believed Grealish had dived in the build-up. Grealish didn't dive in anyone's estimation other than Kevin Friend, but it's not something that can be VARD once that whistle is blown, they can't allow something that happens after it. Yeah. Stan, Kevin <laughs> Friend, all I can say is you will definitely be hearing for the Peaky Blinders yeah. sometime this week when it gets dark around your gaff. But wow, Crystal Palace, Davo. Who needs out and out goal scorers? Actually, who needs goals? Yeah. They're like a post goal. They're the football league's first post goal team, which yeah. is over goals. Well, they've got like Patrick Van Arnholt scoring and AU Brother scoring. These aren't things that are meant to they happen. They don't even Rog. need go- Only last place Watford have scored less than Crystal Palace's yeah. three this season. Statistician Duncan Alexander calculated Palace are only the 24th team in top flight history to score three goals or fewer in the opening four games, but gained seven points. None of them won the league. None of them were relegated. Average finishing position 11th. Well, As you would say, it. yeah, bite, bite your, your hand off. off for not being relegated right now. There, Crystal Palace, all hail the post goal team. It's brilliant. The Irons fell. Defensively suspect new boys Norwich at London Stadium. London Stadium, ridiculous. Behind another goal <laughs> from record signing Sebastian Aller, his third in two games. And a oh. Ukrainian blast from Andrei Yarmolenko. Manuel Pellegrini and co. take a very respectable haul of seven points into the international break. But there is solace for Norwich. They kick off your promoted series, Rod, Sunday, September 15th at 3 o'clock Eastern Time on NBCSN with the Sheffield United episode airing right after Back to Back Poetry from Rog. Uh, we'll say West Ham, probably the stealth team with a sterling attacking firepower that no one's talking about. Felipe Anderson, Lanzini, back from injury, singing again, Yarmolenko, Flat and Norwich, who have lost three consecutive matches or comps for just the second time under Daniel Farker. Another German manager with a tiny team, David Wagner, told me before his first season he expected Huddersfield to be thumped in games on occasion, but how they responded to those thumpings was crucial. And we'll see how Norwich do. As next up for my brave Canaries, Manchester City. Newcastle won, Watford won. Riding high after that win at Spurs, the tune were brought back down to earth just 78 seconds into this one, thanks to a goal from old light bulb head, Diaphanous Will Hughes. <laughs> Steve Bruce Arena and co. found their way back into it thanks to a 41st minute Fabian Scher goal. And in the end, Watford claimed their first big boy point of the season. Now, Rog, Everton 3, <sighs> Wolves 2. What a way to start your Sunday, Rog. Everton snatched victory from the jaws of a draw thanks to an 80th minute goal from your boy Rich <sighs> Arlison, his second of the day. I thought I noticed a little bounce in your step today, Rog. So much excitement yeah. before I can't remember being tingling in the same way for an Everton game in a long, long time. 19-year-old Italian starlet, Moise Keane. Does he really play for us? Yeah. And once well, in the generation Arsenal talent, Alex Iwobi, both made their first Did Everton Premier League. Did you just say once in a generation Arsenal it's talent? Full name. Okay. Oh, and this was it. It's what we'd hoped for. Letting go of all the new tools against Europa League cursed Wolves, who hadn't won a game all season since starting the Europa League March. Oh, folly back on July 25th. Five minutes in, 
chaos in the Wolves' back line. Richarlison slaps the ball home. First time off the ground into the top corner. Glory, wonder, triumph is ours for about four minutes. Because the opening of this match, it was like an NBA game with the two teams just trading baskets every single possession. Wolves, Traore, I love him. So much muscle. He looks like Terry Crews up top. Fused with the speed of emotional escalation on Twitter. Course slop. Sice, first goal ever in a Wolves shirt. Of course it was. What would you expect against Everton Football Club who are like a make-a-wish foundation? Less predictable though, Davo. Everton tenacity, two words that just don't go together at all. A bit like tenacity me and Tenacity and bounce-back ability, Rog. I mean, two things. They look like they knew what they were doing. Don't be deceived by that, but I'll tell you who does know what he's doing. Probably signal and noise, probably just noise, but I love it as signal right now. I'm claiming it. Will you let me claim it as signal? You're saying this is important, not interesting. Go ahead. Fabian Delph. Yes, 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 Roger, yes. Very rarely do I agree with you 100% about Everton. I agree with you 100%. Fabian Delph, by the way, and I'm not going to do this and just say what a great Everton player. What a good Premier League player, Rog. What a good midfielder. What a great hustler, mover, distributor. He made Everton quicker everywhere. The ball sometimes at Everton, you know this, can move a little bit too slowly. They've always had explosive pace down the wings, but in the centre of the it's like making field, love with Sting the ball sometimes. moves a little too slowly sometimes. He just moves we play the ball with such football. purpose. I love it. I love watching Fabian I, think, I look at a man who's so happy to be freed from Pep's OCD instructions, yeah. and he can just sit deep. Oh, win that ball, propel Everton forward, however he wants. He's not like, Pep wants me in zone three and zone seven only. How do I get from zone three to zone seven? I don't know. Pep didn't tell me. Maybe I have to take the space-time continuum. He was just, I can go anywhere. I can use my experience. I can use my guile. And that's what Everton have lacked for the past couple of seasons to phenomenal collective multiplier effects. Everyone around. It was like Gareth Barry in the old days. It was glorious. I mean, Sigurdsson spanked across to Awobi for that fadeaway jump shot header. And he and Keane wheeled away in glory. Just I'd see Everton players. Richarlison jumped on their back so happy. And the air wolves equalized. But on this day, even I was like, there can only be one result. So when Richarlison, magnificent Richarlison, Hustled all game long, both ends of the field. This guy who's probably like, mm, I don't quite like the spotlight going to a Wobi and Keane. He really, I mean, he had the game of his season so far. Let like a Brazilian zebra catfish in a Rio de la Plata to make it 3-2 good guys. <laughs> and I felt, Dave, you, you felt this in football a lot. I rarely do. A surging joy that I'm not accustomed to. That's so nice. And I must say, Iwobi may also be important, much as we've joked about him in the past. He's a really, really good and skillful footballer. That finish for that header, Rog, that's not a goal that you see many people score. This could be just what he needs for his career. I love that look. I love all this competition for places now up front. Moise Keane, it's a... Another, like, really good-looking, energetic display for Everton. I must say, just, I was having, very rare for me, I had, I had the feels for Everton in this Mate, game. you were not alone. I had a surging, pulsating joy that I am just not made for, not accustomed to. Reminded me of the old Aristotle quote, which I tweeted out. Happiness is the meaning and the purpose of life, the whole aim and end of human existence, which, of course, the Greek philosopher undoubtedly uttered in anticipation of Alex Awobi's first start for Everton Football Club. What a season this is going to be. We will win some. Yeah. We will lose some. But I've got a feeling I'm going to play with Cavalier football, hustle and be entertained, which to me, to me, that's what football's all about. I see one other thing about your Everton. Jordan Pickford's distribution. 
I mean, literally breathtaking, his distribution. His does the accuracy of his kicks and his throws over such long distances. And, you know, I criticise Everton fans sometimes. I've just noticed at away games that no one applauds and cheers a corner kick awarded to Everton louder than any team in the Premier League. Like, they just love a corner Bite kick. But you end off for a but corner. But I, I actually think there is this sophisticated football knowledge when they literally, you can fear the crowd gasp and cheer at a Jordan Pickford clearance that just hits straight at the foot of his winger. I just love watching him play football. He's our playmaker. He is. He's bloody good. Okay, Rog, your international break looks like this. The US men's national team are in action twice, Rog, beginning this Friday in the swamps of Jersey at MetLife Stadium against Mexico, Rog. I might be in goal for that game. <laughs> could be. Turn up to see his haircut at 8.30pm Eastern Time on Fox Sports 1. They'll then play Uruguay Wednesday in St. Louis. The World Cup champion US women's national team, meanwhile, continued their victory tour by playing Portugal for the second time in as many weeks at Allianz Field in Minnesota tonight at 8pm Eastern Time. England continue their Euro 2020 qualifying campaign hosting Bulgaria Saturday. Ooh, Bulgaria. Flingon Terreira. And travelling to Kosovo Tuesday. Let's have a prophetic shot of Jägermeister and see how this all plays out, Roger. What is your Jägermeister telling you? Here we go. I'm going in. This Jägermeister tells me, it tells me how much I love Josh Sargent. <laughs> oh, in only a second Bundesliga start for Werder Bremen this weekend, the nine-year-old ginger from St. Louis with the preternatural finishing skills pulled down a long ball over the top with one touch, looped it over the goalkeeper and then smashed it into the empty net, all without that ball ever touching the ground. All hail, all hail American soccer gritty. This Jägermeister tells me, Sergeant, who was oddly left off the gold roster, he's going to feature, he's going to shine, though this Jägermeister does not tell me the score, which means this Jägermeister is protecting me from something I might not like to hear, David. Godspeed, Triple G. I love it. The Jägermeister's not only predicting, it's also protecting you now. Yeah, I love that. P&P. Uh, well, my Jägermeister is going to please producer JW because mine tastes of... Aston Villa's Tyrone Mings. Why would that please producer JW, you might ask? Because most of you might know him as former Ipswich town man Tyrone Mings. He was called into the England team for the first time for these games at 26 years old after fighting his way back from devastating injury right after he was transferred to Bournemouth, I believe. I'm it's seeing him game. getting on and contributing. Not saying it's a goal, Rog, but... He's a former Ipswich town man. What are we really going to expect? But I can't wait to see the big man in an England shirt. Can I tell you, I interviewed him for my Aston Villa promoted. Yeah. He's one of the loveliest, most remarkable and unbelievable human stories. He was a, a, an insurance salesman huh. who turned up at Ipswich for a joke, for a yeah. trial, and they just mm-hmm. loved how he knocked people over. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, it was like the blind side. He kind of became a pro completely, like, completely against his age. He would never dreamt of it. Then he just wanted to be a Premier League player, moved to Bournemouth, most expensive player ever for them. And then in his first game, a brutal injury that just ended this season within minutes of him making his dream come true. To come back, fight your way back into the Premier League of Aston Villa and then make an England debut. It's, mm-hmm. it's the stuff of fairy tales. We wish Absolutely. him well. And some credit goes to your favourite former centre-back at Chelsea, Rodge, Mr. John Terry. Take it uh, the face, Tyrone! There Tyron! are many other ways to connect to us, including our now extinct Amazon Emporium, which is transformed into the Men in Blazers board mart. Anytime you buy something big or small from the board mart, <laughs> we get a tiny percentage that allows us to produce additional, albeit suboptimal content. What are you putting in the board mart this week, Roger? A book! Oh! Oh, trick mirror, reflections on self-delusion. <sighs> 
by Gia Tolentino, a provocative book of nine essays on our culture in the internet age by the New Yorker staff writer. She's essentially the Zhao Felix of cultural criticism. If you like to read and think as you do read, buy this book. I couldn't put it down. The way Tolentino fuses an emotionality and a rigorous intellectualism without ever really letting go of either. This is one of her sentences, which I love. And if you don't read the book, think about this one, because it's important. She wrote, Like many amongst us, I've become acutely conscious of the way my brain degrades when I strap it in to receive the full barrage of the internet. These unlimited channels, all constantly reloading with new information, births, deaths, boasts, bombings, jokes, job announcements, ads, warnings, complaints, confessions, political disasters, blitzing our frayed neurons and huge waves of information that pummel us and then are instantly replaced. This is an awful way to live. It's wearing us down quickly. When I read that, I thought, wow, it's like trying to follow every major football league in Europe that year. Never better summed up by this book now. You know what I love, Rod? I love cars. I really I like myself cars. cars. I bought myself a new car last week. A dream car? I bought myself a, a dream 2019 car. 2019 so Toyota Sienna. I played a tennis tournament in La Boule, France when I was 16 years old. And I played one of the best matches I've ever played in my life. I literally blitzed this kid off the court who was meant to be better than me. He was meant to be really good. I played so well. Was it Coco Groff? No, he's a French kid. And at the end of the match, he walked off looking just distraught, annoyed. And this beautiful black Porsche picked him up and the door flung open and he got into this car. His dad was driving this car. And instantly I was like, oh, F. Like, I might have beaten him, but he's won in life because his dad has a car that my dad, meanwhile, is driving around in a Morris Traveller, you know, which was basically made of wood, that car. It was a... You thought that as a kid. You I were like, a you, kid. You're, you saw a dad with midlife issues and you were like, he's made it. <laughs> midlife issues is my middle name, Rod. I love... I aspire... I've lived my life waiting for my midlife issues. That's, that's my middle name, Rod. Don't let me ruin I love, your story. I love keep a midlife going, issue. Keep so I, love I saw that car when I was 16 years old, 1982, and I was like, I want myself... A Porsche. Didn't even know what a Porsche was really then. Didn't certainly didn't know what a 911 was. Didn't know the history of the 911. I love the 911. The 911 is just the car. I have dreamt and fantasized about owning every single 911 ever made. I got an email a couple of weeks ago from my mate Shima up at Porsche of Danbury. I'm not being paid for this. I'm not getting anything from Shima or Porsche of Danbury. But my word, they are the greatest Porsche dealership in the world, Rog, in the in Christendom. And I got a call that they had my exact car. Yep. I picked up my car uh, last week on Tuesday. And I drove it down to New York City and then out to Bridgehampton. Did I've you been play driving. Kenny Loggins? I put about well, a thousand it. miles what on it. What music did you listen to? Kenny Loggins. Danger Zone. <laughs> I love that song, Roger. It was not been on my playlist. Uh, I actually played Blue Monday, one of the first oh, songs mate. I played in my car. And I've been, I've been driving this car around. Most things in life that you get, that you dream of having... 2009 Toyota Sienna. Are, are exactly, are are not as good as you think they're going to be. They oh, I love are the way the doors just slide. They're disappointing. <laughs> you love the way the doors slide yeah. and close. On the tier but, to Rod, this is about driving performance. This is about driving performance. The driving performance in this car, I know it's not the most recent Porsche model. I know it's not one of the air-cooled Porsche diehards, uh, but the 991.2, just the handling of that car, it has just been a thrill, thrill, 
thrill to drive. That has just been uh, that's been my last week. Oh, is that car? And so I'm going to put it in the I'm going to put it in there because I waited 37 years for that Porsche. It took me 37 years from the age of 16 to 53 to get the car I've always wanted my whole life. And so fuel out there. You might not get it today, but with sometime within the next 37 years, buy yourself your dream car. Um, I did, and I'm very happy about it. Rich. And I couldn't agree more. With you. I did with my 2019 <laughs> Toyota Sienna. I don't make fun slide. of your book no, choices. I'm not mocking. I don't... It. I'm just saying, <laughs> your dream car. It's a wonderful thing to have. Okay. I wish you on everyone. Okay. I'm being very sensitive about my car. Uh, okay, Roger. Quick reminder that the Men in Blazers show is returning to television. Oh, I'm sorry. We'll be back with back-to-back <laughs> shows Sunday, September 15th, and Monday, September 16th on NBCSN. Also, a quick shout for our Men in Blazers Fantasy Football League. It's free. There will be a prize. All of the info is the on our website. are all emotional. Uh, meninplaces.com. Props to Jeff Smith and FC Bayern Rules, who are leading the league heading into the international oh. break. You can follow us on Twitter, at meninplaces, at Embassy Davies, at Roger Bennett on Instagram, at meninplaces, at Embassy underscore Davies, on Facebook, meninplaces. You can always send your ravens to the crap part of Soho. You can always email us at meninplaces at gmail.com. Buy our book, the encyclopedia, Blazer Tanaka, for yourself, for your new football-loving friends. It's available at all good booksellers, including one that rhymes with... With Wamazon Rog Vendepunkt. Warpig! Who wants to sex Matombo? I like snacks! Balls win, balls win. Take that, Gloria. Balls lose. To tweet. Abrigado, rock on, mate. Kung Fu fighting America. Love you, Dave. Love you, Rog. Tackles flying in! Oh. Shas.